I'm going to ask, um, while I'm doing this, if we can shut the, all the outer doors, that'd be great. I'll give us a little, little more oops when we get there. But we are in this series uh, that will go right up until Easter Sunday, and then I think we're going to pick it up again after. Uh, Jason and I are still planning. We had a plan, and then it just didn't sit right as we were going through it, so we're still talking about what's going to happen post-Easter Sunday, but right now it feels like we are going to return to the Illustrated Gospel series with a few more, which I totally love. Uh, It's one of my favorite series to do. And every now and then we come up with some new things, but then every now and then we have some old standards. The last time I did this, you may recall if you were here, was not long after this exact time in 2020 when we were able to be back in this building together in a limited fashion because those were dark times. And today, we're talking about how the darkness will not overcome the Scripture promises us. And I want to share that some uh, with you today. One, because it's a great illustration, but two, uh, boy, is the world crazy right now. It's, it's sometimes difficult for me to, uh, to cling to the light because it seems like there's so much darkness. But I have to be reminded of the promise and the principle that, that we'll demonstrate here today that bears it out for us even in a, kind of a physical sense where we can see it with our eyes and experience it and let that truth hopefully filter into our spiritual beings. Now, those of us who live in nor- northern climates like this, especially after last weekend, we value light, don't we? Um, there are times, of course, there's a... In this season here that's, that's just upon us right now, it's actually one of my favorite times of the year, even though those who are new to us today, I don't like winter. Um, I've only lived here since 1972, I've never really liked winter, but as I discussed, I think just a few weeks ago, God has not seen fit to station me in Hawaii, as much as I like it there. We're here, and we are blessed to be here. God has been so good to us in Alaska. But as I get older, those dark months get harder. They get longer. They feel longer. They feel darker. But uh, one of the things I do love is I love the sunrises of this time of year. When I was uh, in school at West High School, there's a certain section of the school at that time, I'm not sure if it's still there, that had these huge windows. I mean, they, would, they were at half the height of these walls here, and they, would, they went down the entire sides of the classrooms, and they faced that way. And I would scour the school schedule to see if there was a class I could schedule at sunrise time on that side of the building because that would motivate me to be in class because I didn't care about whatever the subject was. Trust me, if you see my, uh, see my transcripts, concern for academics was not super high on my list unless it was very easy for me. Um, but I loved watching those sunrises. They gave me uh, hope and joy, and I still love them. Uh, any chance, this time of year, they're just spectacular. One of the things I also love about this time of year, though, is when we get those clear, 
dark nights and the full moon is out on, again, those mountains out there. When the sun comes, or the moon comes behind them and looks so giant, and as it makes its way around, it begins to reflect off the sun, off, you know, the, the, the sunlight off the moon reflecting off the snow on those mountains. Just, it, to me, is just incredibly beautiful. And uh, where our, the way our bedroom uh, window faces, uh, sometimes I just, I'll just lay on the bed and just watch the moon track through that window. And it's just, it's illuminating the whole room. And while there's all that darkness out there, there's still this beacon of light tracking through the skies. And I love that. So we, I think, sometimes in, in places like ours, we maybe have a dif- different perspective on the light and the dark because we so anticipate, you know, this spring solstice uh, time that will be arriving, getting past December 21st, and we all start looking at the three seconds added to the, the daylight, you know, going, that's awesome, three seconds more than yesterday, and it's great. And so then we, we, we track towards that middle of summer, you know, when, when May and June begin to roll around, and, and it's practically twilight 24 hours a day, and we'll burn ourselves to the ground, right, soaking up the sun. When I go and visit other places, just like when I was in Alabama here not too long ago, I love uh, that, you know, at 6.30, 7 o'clock, it was dark, and the frogs and the crickets were out, and it was beautiful. I love that. But that's one of the questions folks there always ask, is, is it really true that there's so much darkness in the winter and so much sunlight in the summer? Because they read about it, but they've never experienced it. And, you know, the thing is, I think that from a primal Standpoint: The reason we we struggle with darkness is because things are obscured, right? Things are hidden in the darkness. Uh, when you know, if we happen to be out on a sunless or a, a moonless night, and it's dark, we'll take a flashlight with us. Stephen, my son, out at the camp there in the valley, has the, the giantest headlamp I've ever seen. I mean, it it reminds you of the old coal miner headlamp thing. It's huge, but boy does it light up the darkness when we make the rounds around the camp and we want to make sure we don't run into a moose or something like that unaware. And so there's this sense in us that it goes back a long way about the darkness that there are things that hide in the darkness. There are things we can't see in the darkness. There are dangers unaware in the darkness that we might encounter. And we bring to that as much as we can Light, artificial light. Um, there's certainly beauty, and I've done this number, numerous times in my life, of, of just being out in the wilderness when it is dark and sort of letting the eyes adjust and, and be in that moment. But there are times when we really have that deep desire to be able to see. It makes me think of when Christopher and I just drove up from Washington this last fall. Uh, you know, pretty, it was, what well, was August is when we were driving up. And so in Washington State, it was pretty standard sunrise, you know, sunset times. And he's got this uh, 2003 Dodge Ram, uh, and we'd had it all worked on. That's a whole long story, but it was ready to go. We we're going to drive it up the Alcan with a trailer behind it, U-Haul stuffed full of things. And... Uh, and we started to take off. We were just kind of running around town doing some things. And then we realized just how terrible his headlights were on this truck. 
uh, hadn't really been a big concern because he'd mostly been driving around in town in Ellensburg, Washington, and there's street lights and things everywhere. But anytime you went out of town, it was a little dark. And then we started going, there's some places we're going to be driving where there is there are no artificial lights anywhere. And, and we were planning, I mean, we were doing the dash and go, right? We weren't going to, this was not a vacation trip. We weren't going to drive only during daylight hours. We're going to like, and stop if we have to to get some, some Z's, which is what we did. And so uh, our first attempt was we uh, bought a little kit because the issue was that the, the lenses on the headlamps were so worn and, and kind of had been abraded by dirt and dust and sun and oxidation that they, the lenses were just gross and, and cruddy and you couldn't wash them off. So we bought this little kit where you're supposed to hand polish them and that lasted about 10 minutes because this was a process that was going to take much longer than we had time to dedicate. And, uh, and there wasn't really a way for us to buy replacements. So we went down to the local Napa and we found an LED light bar that we could mount on the front of that truck. And let me tell you, the first day we got started late about three hours, three or four hours later than we wanted to, because that's how it always goes, right? But we were bound and determined to leave that day. We took off. We were headed for a less populous crossing to the border because we, we had been doing our homework, and this one seemed to be one that was more trouble-free. You hit it at the right time of day, not a lot of people. They don't get real excited there, whereas some of the other ones, the big ones where everybody's trying to cross, there's like everybody getting hassled for this and that thing and the other thing. And so let's, let's go for that one. And it looks great on paper, right? And uh, Karen and I were discussing this the other day about, uh, uh, you guys can, can witness for me, I, I may have mentioned this before, but the days of when, even before we would print out MapQuest directions, but we would, you'd land in a new city and what's the first thing you pick up is that Rand McNally map, Right? and start to actually physically map out your trip. And now we have GPS, and thank God we did, because I don't think we'd have ever made it with a paper map. Because at some point, we left the highways, and we ended up in the country among a bunch of farms with just barely two-lane dirts one way and the other way. And at one point, we're like, are we sure we're going the right way? And we're checking the GPS, and it insists that, yeah, you're good, and we could trace out where it was going. But it took us through these back roads and back ways, and there were no lights anywhere, and I could not imagine how hard that drive would have been without that LED light bar in front of that truck, because those headlamp, the headlamps would just not have done it. And then, of course, when we hit some of those areas up in uh, the Yukon and places like that, again, you're way out in the middle of the wilderness. There's, there's just nothing around there but trees and mountains and bears and, and uh, bison. <laughs> you know, giant things in the road, and you want to be able to see where you're going. So it's something that's in us that is, it's necessary for us to see. And the darkness threatens our ability to do that. But the greatest gift in the midst of the darkness is light. I want you to go with me to Psalm chapter 139. Psalm chapter 139, that'll be our text for today. And then I have a couple more that I want to share in companion to that. But this is our core text this morning that we're going to work through. Psalm 139, 
Um, I don't think we have the text to put up on the screen for you today. Jason usually takes care of that, and I was late getting this all worked out. So if you have a device or a Bible with you, I encourage you to look on with us. Always encourage you to check that we're actually reading to you what's actually in the Word of God and not telling you something else. But it says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot contain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Let's pause there for just a moment and, and, and try, to, try to wrap our minds around the wonder of this passage of Scripture. Now I imagine as he talks about how God knows every single thing about us, and he says in verse 6, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I think there might also be times in our lives where that knowledge is also a little bit frightening to us, right? That he knows everything about us. See, that, that he is light, and in the darkness of the places of our hearts, he is able to search out. And we might, when we think about that, become discomforted by that. But we have to remember that even in that, the Bible teaches us that God cares for us. He loves us. In fact, uh, Karen and I traveled with a, a performing arts group back in the early 90s, and, and every night someone would give a testimony, and this one girl would give this testimony about just the incredible rocky journey she had had to get to Christ. And, and she would say, she said, God loved me just as I was, but he loved me too much to leave me that. And so if this morning you hear these words where he says, you discern my thoughts from afar, you hem me in in the front and in the back, uh, before a word leaves my tongue, you know it, and you feel like a little apprehension about that, I would say two things. I'd say, one, figure out where in your life and my life I need to become more in line with the thoughts and the words that Jesus would have me to speak. And in those places where I don't line up, let me be reminded that God's purpose and God's intent in me is for that to be revealed to me and for me to allow Him to transform me from the inside out into one who instead thinks about God searching my heart and going, isn't that wonderful that He does that? That's, that's the path of discipleship, is to go from one who is rebellious and against the things of God to one who desires to become one who is the child of God, doing the work of God, thinking the thoughts of God, saying the words that God would give them, 
But it is not for me, it has not been, I presume for most of you, if not all of you, it has not been for you either, an instantaneous process. My salvation was immediate. He responded to my cry for salvation immediately. But the work that we call in religious terms, sanctification, becoming more holy progressively, is not an instantaneous gift that we're given. It is a working out daily, Paul says, of our salvation as we live for Christ. And so I kind of see that as a way that, that as my heart sometimes harbors darkness, that I'm willing to let the light of God shine into every part and then respond to him as he does that. I always have the choice. I can rebel or I can submit. I can resist or I can obey. And maybe that's the hard part. Uh, if you are a parent or your, your parent adjacent, aunts, uncles, close friends, and you see people parenting their kids, that's always the double-edged sword, Right? We love that our kids have minds and can think and do what they want, and then sometimes we hate the fact that they have minds and they can think and they can do what they want because we watch them doing all the things that we wish they wouldn't do. I, I suppose God sometimes looks at us in the same way. Would that we could become like the psalmist here, which in this case is David, who sees the depth of the way in which God knows him. And that we would become like him where we say, that is truly wonderful. That God knows me like that. And he says this, verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. And so David is beginning to speak in terms of, he says, if I should despair, if I should get to the place where I say, oh, the darkness is around me, and even the light that is around me is going to be consumed by the darkness. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt that even the good things of your life, the hopeful things of your life, the good things that you've done are in danger of being swallowed by the darkness that's around you? David says, even if I should feel like that, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light. presence of God, the very essence of who He is, even in our darkest places, even in our darkest moments, even in the most hopeless times, the very essence of God is so great. He is so filled with light and with goodness and with promise that even in those darkest moments when to us it looks like it's all black, it maybe even really is all darkness. God's essence is light in the midst of the darkness so that whatever darkness we might presume or observe, to him it's nothing. His presence 
His power, His love, those mercies that are new every morning transcend anything that we might perceive as darkness. To what extent does that change our perception of our darkness? I don't know. I think that's up to you. It's up to me. Right? How much, how much do I receive that? Am I going to allow myself? And listen, sometimes this is how it works out because we're, we're flawed. Am I going to allow myself to still feel swallowed by that darkness? Even though I know the truth, if God is with me, it's not really darkness because He's there. Even if I can't see, He sees everything. Even if I don't know, He knows all. Even if I can't plan, He has a plan. Am I going to receive that truth and live in it? Or will I struggle? Sometimes I struggle. Verse 13. You formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! They speak against you, God, with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred, and I count them my enemies. David is speaking here about how completely and totally he is devoted to God because of all that God has done for him and the depth to which God knows him. And you have to understand that this is in the light of David's great failures. Great failures that led to generations of heartache and destruction and death after his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah and Nathan coming and calling him onto the carpet and saying, you are the man, you're the man who did these dastardly things. And God is unhappy with you. And after David has relented and repented and brought himself before God, he didn't remove all the consequences of everything that he did because there was judgment that came on his house. But he was restored to God. And he says these words knowing that God could have left him in the darkness. But he knew him even before he was formed. And he numbered his days 
even before he was formed. Friends, he knew you before you were formed. He numbered your days before you were formed. And even in the darkness, he loves you. And then he says, verse 23, what hopefully are the words of every disciple. Search me, O God, and know my heart. That's real vulnerability, isn't it? To invite God to poke his nose into all of our business. Try me. Know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That's the close of David's prayer here. He acknowledges the greatness of God, how, how infinitely to every inch that God knows him. He acknowledges God's great grace and mercy in having formed him and then having restored him. And then he says, now, in the light of all of those things, my path forward from today is, is I'm an open book. Let your light invade every corner of my life. And show me if I have anywhere that I am grieving you. Reveal it to me and instead lead me into the path of eternity, everlasting, the way everlasting. Lead me instead in a path where the things I do, the things I say, the work that I do, the thoughts that I have are thoughts that are life and lead me towards my eternal life. That's the way of the disciple. So the first time I did this uh, illustration, I had made uh, some little boxes out of uh, tackle boxes and put some lights in there. And it was quite adventurous because Denise was sitting right there and halfway through she said, they're on fire! Because I had turned the bulbs on and it started to melt the inside of one of those tackle boxes and there was smoke coming out, which I thought was super cool and like total overreaction. It was fine. And then Heather, Ashley, Don's uh, wife, made these for me. What I have is here is I have a box of darkness and I have a box of, of light. And so uh, we've got these lights on right now. If I open this box of darkness... It could not get any darker in this room. In fact, if I take this, right? So if I, if I close it, look, you can see it. There's dark, it's dark in there, right? Look what happens. We know this, right? Do this when you were a kid. Turn on the lamp and see if you could beat the light to the, to the bed, you know? shows us that this box of darkness gets overcome with the light. But that's a lot of light. So Frank, why don't you go ahead and kill the house lights? Kind of dark out there. Still light up here. I can't really tell how dark it is out there because it's so bright up here. But it's pretty dark.
ahead and bring those down now, Frank. Okay, fairly dark. You can't get it completely dark in here. I love this part about these boxes. Is the light does what it wants to do, which is even as well as these are made, it wants to leak out of the edges wherever there's a space. There's a lot of dark in this room. If we were to do the math, I forget, this room is like 75 feet, 100 feet by 45 feet. I can't do math, so that's like 4,000 feet, something like that. These boxes are two by two by two. Again, whatever cubic feet that is, don't ask me. A lot less. One might think that so much darkness could overpower so little light. But we know, of course, that's not how it works. Now, has it fully lit up this room like all of these other lights have? It has not. But is that a lot of light coming out of there? I won't tip it over and blind you. But when this was closed, we go, well, can't see the people at the back of the tech desk. I can see Tobin a little bit in the light in the monitor, but not much. Now, I can see it. If I do it like that, I can really see it. Still got this little box of dark over here, too. And it's so close, and it's so full of darkness. If I open it up, surely it'll make these lights get a little less, right? But of course, we know that's not what happens. I open this box, and all that light just runs right in there and runs the darkness out of every little corner. Friends, this is the promise of God. Psalms, he says, I am a lamp to your feet, a light unto your path. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. A lamp to your feet, a light unto your path. It's kind of like this, I think. While it doesn't do the job of, of all these lights on the ceiling when we turn them back on here in just a moment, that lamp to our feet, that light to our paths, it doesn't go a long way in front of us, but it goes far enough for us to see where God is leading us. And our hearts aren't giant. We kind of we know the 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 space of those. We know the boundaries of our own heart to the mo to the most part. And so it doesn't take ginormous amounts of light to illuminate that. Just enough for us to see what God wants to do. But I want to share with you a couple of other passages of Scripture. John chapter 8, verse 12 says this. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. That's a really emphatic promise. 
The psalmist said, God, you know everything about me. You search out all the parts of my heart. Even when I think I'm in darkness, if you're there to you, it's not darkness at all. It's, it's just as if it were daylight. Saying I should trust God, even when I think it's dark. And then Jesus follows that up and says, if you follow me, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, listen, friends, our own hearts, our own minds, our own perceptions will try to convince us of something different than what Jesus is saying here. We must cling to the promise. All of the promises that Jesus gives us, we must cling to them. And sometimes in such a way, it's like, <laughs> it's like Jack hanging onto the door of the Titanic. Cling with everything you've got until she shoves you off and sends you to the bottom of the ocean. If you haven't seen Titanic, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's quite the argument in its day. But you've got to hang on to these promises. Because the circumstances of your life and sometimes your own thought life, sometimes the things that you've done, mistakes you've made in the past that the devil brings back to remind you. You know, he's always trying to tell you about your past and Jesus is always trying to tell you about your future. Those things come around and, and you have trouble hanging on to those promises, but you've got to do the work of clinging to them because Jesus says, if you follow after me, you will what? Never walk in darkness. You will not walk in the darkness because he is the light. And then finally, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, made, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, some of our folks here have been walking through what we would probably call some very dark times. You've encountered those in your own life. And friends, I have to tell you, chances are, odds are good, if you're in a spot right now where you're not experiencing dark times, there probably is one somewhere down the road. Because that's life. I say this all the time. Jesus reminded us of this. In this life, you what? Will have trouble. And there will be the, the, the temptation, the pull, the tendency to go and sit in the darkness and see only the darkness. And I'm not by any stretch saying that what I'm about to say is easy. I'm just saying it's what we, we should strive for is to remember these promises. That when God's presence is with us, even though we think it's darkness to Him, it's nothing. It's clear as a bell. When we are following Jesus, even when we feel like the things around us are dark. He is the light, and no one who follows him ever walks in darkness. And 
should we think that whatever happens in our own little universe, our own little lives, or the world around us and this giant globe that we're on and all the pressures that are happening on our planet with, with wars and, and famine and disagreement and political discourse and bank failures and whatever else is going on, and we go, man, look at the darkness. We recall these words. He was the light of men and the light Jesus shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Praise God. Ask the worship team to come back and join me for a final song. Let me pray for us, folks. Look out! Thank you, Lord, for uh, the day and the illustration. Thank you for the truth of your word. Calm those hearts. I just scared to death with that lid. Hearts are pounding. Should work it into an illustration of some kind. Time. I just ask you to minister to us through your word that we've shared today. Speak into our individual lives, our individual circumstances about light and darkness and your presence and how sufficient you are and how much you care for us, how you love us, how you desire for us to trust you, to believe in all that you said that you would be. And Lord, any place where we are, feeling that we're walking in darkness, that we're experiencing darkness, that we're unclear about what's happening and where we should go or why things are the way that they are. Lord, remind us to turn to you, Lord, in prayer, in fasting, in meditation, reading your word, Lord, seeking counsel from godly sisters and brothers. Lord, that your pervasive light, the light that never dims, reminded of Revelation, that in, in, in heaven there is no more night because the light of God shines everywhere. Lord, remind us that as we live in the kingdom of God, here today, with you, that that light is just as bright. Lord, teach us how to find comfort in your presence, even in hard times. Lord, how to hear your wisdom when we are unsure of the path ahead. In Jesus' name.